Aloha mai kako. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Moana Nui podcast. I am Moana, your host. Um, here on the show tonight, we have Davy Yarborough. She also goes by Davy Celeste. She's an artist, educator, entrepreneur, and healer. Her passions include writing, education, experimenting with music, storytelling, and finding new ways to be creative. Davy has over 10 years of school-based experience in the field of education and over 20 years of experience as a private instructor. She attended George Washington University, where she earned a bachelor's in English and a master's of education in secondary and special education. She's also a Fulbright scholar, which I think is really cool. Um, and during her fellowship, she traveled to India to study different learning styles and how disabilities are recognized and navigated throughout the country. She's also a firm believer in the idea that all education is special education and is passionate about helping students learn how they learn. So without further ado, I'm happy to have Davey on our show tonight. Hi, hello. Hi, aloha, how are you? Aloha. I'm doing well. How are you? Perfect. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, it's the end of 2020. So, you know, it's uh, the last day. Let's go out strong. Yes, all of that. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. You know, as I was doing, you know, research on you and everything, I found a lot of similarities um, in terms of like, you know, you're multi-passionate, right? You have like your hands in a lot of different things. Tell us how, um, like, you know, a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, like how you grew up and how you found yourself in education. Okay. All right. <laughs> so um, I'm originally from Washington, D.C., super, super D.C. person in the sense that, like, I, I rep D.C. to the fullest. It is, uh, you know, the place that raised me is where a lot of my family still is, and um, I'll, it'll always be my first home. And that's definitely where mm, so many of my passions kind of came to fruition. Prior to 2016, that's where I was. I, I went to undergrad and grad in D.C. I taught in D.C. I settled down in D.C. Uh, you know, it, it was at my first and middle initial of D.C. It, it's 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 real. Uh, <laughs> so um, so that's where that is where my story starts. I am from a family of artists. Both my parents are musicians, and uh, and my family is not. Do you play? It's what do you play? Mm. Uh, so, um, I grew up, you know, uh, dabbling on a lot of different instruments. You'll see that I notice that I, um, say that I experiment with music. I don't really identify as a musician because my parents are professional musicians and I don't put in that type of work, uh, <laughs> to feel like I can claim that, but that background, uh, and that the village that raised me, that artistic village definitely, uh, contributed to my interests in different art and 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 whatnot so my my dad is actually a retired uh, dc public school uh teacher he was in the classroom for 40 years originally when i went off to college i wanted to own my own multilingual radio station that was my plan uh you know i wanted to study romance languages and i wanted to create this like this radio station that you know had different broadcasts that would like get broadcast in different languages and i still have some interest in that and i love languages so i thought i was going to school for broadcast that was the plan that you know up until i think my sophomore year when I actually did have to claim, you know, declare a major, because I went through about five of them. 
I uh, I was really running from education. You know, my my dad watching my dad do all of what he was doing, and you know, in some ways, I'm an only child feeling like, you know, competing, you know, in a lot of ways with that, like, like, you working with all these kids and they don't even have the time appreciate you and you could be home hanging out with me. Like, you know, (laughs) not look like the profession I want to be in. Okay. No, thankless job. I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) So I ran and I ran. And one thing I will, I have learned in my life, I'm never telling the universe what I am or am not going to do anymore because that's what I end up doing. And if I want them to, wanted the universe to support me, I, I got to stop saying that. So um, what ended up happening is I did an internship uh, my sophomore year in college uh, where I was uh, paired with a high school. I was working in a, a Blue Senior High School um, as an intern with their uh, video production class. And some of the students were only like a couple years younger than me. So that was that was a kind of a wild experience. But while I was there and helping them work on their addiction and, and you know, and things like that, I was like, oh, man, okay, maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing, uh, you know, and seeing a lot of the like kind of disparities between like educational disparities. And I'd already had a passion in, in uh, for literacy already. So this was kind of like, okay, so I called my dad. And I was like, hey, um, so I think I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher and I want to be a philanthropist. I said, but I don't, I don't think I, I'm not rich enough to be a philanthropist. And I remember him saying, you don't have to be rich to be a philanthropist at all. You know, that you can find different ways to give without being, you know, incredibly, you know, financially wealthy. And so that's kind of the direction that I set out in after that, um, as it relates to be an educator and to, um, and to also, you know, be a philanthropist to be able to give back, um, specifically, you know, in the beginning, especially to DC, because DC gave me so much. Um, and then to expand that to different, you know, different parts of my community across the country, across the world. That's kind of how I started in the direction of education. Um, I went back to graduate school because I got my degree in, in English. Finally, I went through broadcast and photojournalism and none of them ended up on paper. They were just like, oh, I'll just do this. And then I got like, can I try this over here? And then it was like, okay. And then when I realized, okay, what's going to best support me in going into education? So I decided to do English, which I have a very strong background in prior to that. Cause that's actually, I went to a, um, I went to Tugellington School of the Arts in uh, Washington DC so for high school. So uh my arts discipline was literary media so uh poetry prose radio television film you name it so uh that transition to english was pretty you know pretty simple for me and it made the most sense and then from there i went back to, i took about a, i took a year as a teaching assistant uh in a second grade class all of all of whom are in college now which is wild to me uh but because <laughs> they were seven and they're not anymore but um I started as a teaching assistant in an elementary school and I, I just to try and see which grade because I thought I might want to do elementary and I was like, you know what, I like playing with them. I don't like teaching them. So I ended up uh, going back to school for particularly high school. And so I uh, and, and ended up right back at my alma mater as a, a um, English teacher, specifically teaching support English for students who were oftentimes uh, two to four grade reading levels below. Yeah, it was beautiful to be back at my alma mater, beautiful to connect with those students, a lot of whom I'm still in touch with. And it was definitely what I was supposed to do. You know, I, I love, I love working with students. Like, they're mine. <laughs> they're all mine. <laughs> yeah. So that's how I got into education. Yeah, that's really cool that you worked at multiple levels, like both at uh, the elementary and at high school. You know, I've talked to 
my sister was a teacher. Um, she's, you know, stay at home mom now, but she taught, um, where she, she started, I think at first grade. Um, and then she also ended up teaching fifth grade math for a while. And very, very similar to you, right? Like these are my babies. Like I am molding them into the, you know, the, the human beings that they will be. Um, and she took so much pride in the work that she does. And so I can, I can kind of understand where you're coming from in terms of like, uh, you know, your dad and wanting to him to be like, what about me? You know, <laughs> it's hard to to strike that balance sometimes. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, seeing the educational disparities, um, you know, amongst students. How do you feel like since since that time, you know, back when you were in college, how do you feel it's improved? Has it improved? You know, what work is still left to do? I think that we have a lot more, you know, a lot more resources, a lot more research. Mm -hmm. I think that Unfortunately, in most school settings, there are so many things and components to take into consideration that a lot of times the priority uh, mm -hmm. of, of, you know, whether it be literacy, whether it be education in general, whether it be centering the needs of students, oftentimes gets lost because there's so many other things a school has to do, a school has to stay open, a school has to, you know, like, so the business side of it, I think oftentimes really takes away and makes it really difficult for schools to focus in on the things that matter most. So I feel like we're, you know, when I was coming through, I think, so my first introduction to kind of disparities as it relates to uh, Washington DC was actually in high school. Um, mm -hmm. I was a ninth grader and I was paired with a student and my teacher, you know, kind of took me to the side. I guess she she knew that I had the discernment that, you know, that she could trust me to say, like, hey, I want to pair you with the student. But I need you to understand that they don't know how to read. You know, and I'm like, how do you get to the ninth grade? And I'm asking her, I'm like, how does that happen? You know, like, how do you get to the ninth? And I remember her saying, you know, students that talking about students and slipping through the cracks and being passed from one grade to another and how, you know, you think about it, you know, and it it made me angry, like, you know, for this student. I remember doing the research and I think at that time, a third of our residents were functionally literate. And I know that those numbers, from what I understand, those numbers have significantly improved since then. Uh, and, you know, it's still it's still an issue, right? If you think about it from the standpoint of uh, standardized testing and prioritize standardized testing over like individual, you know, um, student needs, then you might as a school decide to, to, to pass a student along so that it doesn't seem as though they have these deficiencies rather than addressing the deficiencies themselves. You know, shout out to my school, shout out to Ellington, because that student, you know, the special education program that we had, you know, worked with that student, you know, gave them the, the supports that they needed and they graduated being able to read, they graduated, you know, and went on to, you know, they have a family and they're working and there are so many different um, efforts and interventions that oftentimes can be put in place and then are being put in place. It's that oftentimes having to fight against the other systems that exist and have to exist that aren't necessarily in a position to prioritize the things that we're prioritizing inside the classroom. So it's, it's like there are, I think there's a lot more awareness. And so I think that's great. I think we still have a lot of work to do. And I think in some places, you know, we are doing it a lot better. You know, I, I think it's also really important to um, take into consideration that just because we have more resources doesn't mean that that's necessarily the, the mm -hmm. answer. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's, it's really taking a look at, you don't necessarily need money to fix the problem or to fix or to, to intervene uh, when it comes to students. You know, we've, we've taught students how to read with 
less resources than we think we sometimes need at this point that really to focus in on it doesn't need to look shiny and fancy but what we do need to do is go deep into these individual individual needs of each student which is why that what i said about all education is special education i i truly believe that you know it's mm -hmm. we're all learning differently uh, you know, we're all trying to access information in a different way, and we have to find a way as educators to meet each individual student in our class where they are in the way in which they learn. I also say because of more of an acceptance of special education programs, learning support programs, I think that is also helping as well. Um, but yeah, we still have a lot, a lot of work to do. I love that approach, though, like the understanding the individual needs of the students, but I could see how that could be in definitely in conflict with systems, right? Because like individual attention takes time and mm -hmm. um, just the resources kind of look different. So how much of a role do you think like school leadership, like the people who, you know, who are in the principal role or, you know, as the teachers, like, do, do you feel like it's really the people that make the difference? I know I've had like different types of teachers, like some, some that have been more effective, others that are not. Um, how important do you feel like um, that is in the classroom? I think that our, you know, a lot of our best teachers will make a difference regardless of whether they have that support from their school mm -hmm. or their administration. And that isn't to say, and that isn't a, a should, I'm saying that they often do. Because mm -hmm. there are a lot of factors and components that can prevent a teacher from being able to, you know, focus in and do the job that they feel like they can do. Uh, I think that having strong leadership and also leadership that isn't so far removed from the classroom mm -hmm. is incredibly important. You know, um, there are so many, you know, uh, times when you can tell an administrator hasn't been in the classroom for a minute or they've forgotten what it's like to navigate a classroom because of some of the things that they're saying or, you know, some of the things, you know, that you're like, I, I need this. And they're looking at you like, huh? You know, and you're like, you would have needed this too. You know, <laughs> when you, last time you were in the classroom, what do you mean? You know, but at the same time, the things or the priorities that they have to inherit, you know, once they become administrators, sometimes aren't necessarily aligned with making sure that each individual student has what they need, you know, um, and that can be, I think it's so I think that your leadership can make a huge, 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 huge difference in how the institution runs and how teachers feel supported. I, I watch teachers all the time provide for their students without that support, you know, and, and you know, so as a teacher, you're not as worried about making sure that the school stays open. Right. Right. <laughs> You know, and so, you know, there's some, I, I have to empathize with the fact that the priorities are different, but I do really wish, I mean, sometimes some of the things that I hear that I've heard administrators say, I'm just like, do y'all take the same class? Like, <laughs> like the ex do y'all take the exact same class? Did you really think that that made sense when you said that thing? You know what I mean? Like, it was like, you just justified this underpaying this person in a way that you would be outraged if somebody did that for your job, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, it's like, did y'all, did y'all take the same class? Mm -hmm. You know, to, to, do you have, uh, does, is there a company line for all of you, you know, as it relates to these responses or, you know, you know, how, how you respond to me needing something or how you respond, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it can be, a, it can be a real challenge. So yes, leadership definitely matters. Things will still continue to happen. Uh, great things will still, 
continue to happen as long as we have passionate, passionate teachers. We also lose a lot of passionate teachers because of poor leadership. Yeah. I think that's a very, um, that statement can be applied broadly in terms of leadership, right? Like, I feel like that's, I think the data supports it, that like, that's one of, if not the top, one of the top, I guess, catalysts for turnover in a team, you know, a, a school, uh, a company, a business, whatever, right? Like, it's it's the disconnect, you know, with, with the leadership. And so listening to this, you know, I'm just... I'm kind of like, ah, oh, this sounds very similar to, you know, some of the things that I deal with on my job. It's not teaching at all, but when you're trying to be a leader and trying to maintain that balance of like being in touch with, you know, the folks who are still actively doing the work and, you know, doing the real work. And then also trying to make sure that like all the things that people don't see, like in the background it is being managed. So I can definitely empathize with the difficulties of juggling those priorities. You know, in your work with with the children, I, I know you've worked with the high school uh, level. What are some strategies that you have found to be effective in helping them learn? I know like different folks learn in different ways, but do you have some like top ones that kind of stand out um, at the top of your mind? Definitely, yes. Uh, this might seem like super simple, um, but the developing rapport mm. is huge. Uh, because when you're developing rapport, you're also getting some of those interests, some of the things that make students tick, some of the things that motivate them. And being able to use those or utilize those things uh, when you're helping them or when you're instructing them is, is so important, right? If you know that the student is incredibly passionate about something and you can draw it into whatever, you know, or, or make it relatable to them uh, in a way that it wasn't relatable before, that can make all of the difference in the world, right? We're all more likely to pay attention to things that we have interest in. And so if you can, uh, you know, apply and apply things and make it real, like make it, take it outside of the classroom. I think that's a big part of it. And of course that's with any student. And that's why I said with, with all education and special education, the majority of the um, strategies that I use to reach students with, for instance, documented learning differences or disabilities are, are strategies that should be used with every student. Uh, most of those strategies would be, you know, beneficial to any student that you come across. So the building of rapport is important. Uh, one of the things that I think is also really important is focusing on helping a student learn how they learn. So if you know that you have a student that is incredibly like uh, visual, they've mm -hmm. got to be able to see it, you know, um, then you want to focus in on different, um, if they're working on test taking, okay, what are some strategies from visual strategies to help you to like retain that information, right? You know, same with auditory or kinesthetic, you know, some people, some students have to like, uh, you know, interact with it in order to, to get it or people, right? In general, I think that we, a lot of adults reach, you know, adulthood without knowing kind of the best way in which they learn. So focusing in on that, also recognizing that, uh, first of all, for a student with a documented learning difference, when I have to send that information to teachers, that's six or seven teachers who are going to read that information in a very different way. They're going to have their own perceptions, their own understandings. And so making sure that you're as clear as possible as it relates to kind of, you know, giving them, giving them that, and that's why the rapport is important, giving them some of what you've learned from that rapport so that they don't prejudge your teachers. You know, it's, that's normal, right? Like it's a human thing to judge but so that they're not prejudging a student and immediately, you know, and, and, and the stigma of, you know, a learning difference is then 
their becomes their their legacy when they step into the classroom. So one of the things I also really like to do and I want to do more of, this is something that I'd like to do more of, is to talk to a student and say, what would you like a teacher to know before you step into their classroom? You know, like what would you like me to, what would you like them to know about you? You know, what's something that before they see a test score, before they see your diagnosis, before they see any of those things, what would you like them to know? Because if you can, you know, when we think of first impressions, there yeah. are sure plenty of things that we would love for other people to know before they meet us. And so that that is, I think, really important, too. Um, in the beginning of this year, that was one of the first things that I did was I went student by student and I told, you know, I told teachers what I knew about each of those students. Uh, oh, they're really passionate about this. They really, you know, uh, respond well to positive reinforcement. They really want to do well and they struggle in this area but if you keep pushing them you know and, and encouraging them in a positive way they will they'll get it they just need some extra time you know mm -hmm. um, the other part of it is helping to try and destigmatize for the student learning differences so for instance one of the things that i say often when i you know when i sit down with a, a student and I, I will walk them through, for instance, there's, you know, evaluations that are done. A lot of them are very long. They take hours, right, for these um, psycho-ed evaluations, as they're called. And they mm. go, like, all of these different academic panels and assessments in this to determine, you know, if there is a diagnosis. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll sit down with the student and I'll be like, well, you're really strong in this area right here, right? Here's an area that it sounds like you've had some trouble navigating. And this is why. Like, this is what's behind it. And this is why this diagnosis is here. But let's talk about it for a moment. Like, learning differences means that, first of all, the innovation in our world exists within deviation from the norm. So that means that anyone who sees or, you know, learns differently or, you know, differently than what we consider the norm, you know, there's there's innovation there. So mm. it's like, okay, this is the diagnosis you have. And yes, there are some challenges you may face while you're trying to access a very linear way of thinking that isn't necessarily the best or beneficial way for anyone to think, right? Uh, but this is the way that we accept. And I want you to be able to navigate that system as well as know how you navigate because there's a lot of innovation and, and beauty within the way in which you navigate the world that the world needs to see that, that we want you to be able to share with the world. So it's like, know that you see something that no one else can see from your lens. Right. And a part of the reason that is, you know, it's it's, it's connected, right? To, to not only, of course, a diagnosis, but just you, who you are, right? No one can see the world the way that I see the world. And so all of the elements, the pieces of my identity, the, the instances, you know, events in my life all contribute to that. And so, you know, a diagnosis contributes to that as well. But even more, if you think about it from the standpoint of creativity and not being and seeing being able to see things that other people can't see or make connections that other people wouldn't normally make, that's valuable. Helping to try and destigmatize it in that way. And it's hard because sometimes it seems like you're you're, you know, uh, you don't want to sound you don't want to seem patronizing. Like I truly believe that. So you don't want to sound patronizing, you're like, oh come on, man, whatever. Innovation, you know, like cause it's high school, you know. But <laughs> But I, I really do believe that. And so trying to kind of really, uh, I think it helps too, because if I'm sitting in front of a, a psychoed evaluation, I'm totally nerding out. So the students know, you know, like, oh no, it's really serious. Let's look at this score, you know? <laughs> so Yes, give me all the data so I can analyze this and try to help you. <laughs> Absolutely. 
oh, you know, I've, I've had students go, man, that's what's been going on. I had no idea, and I'm so glad it has a name now. Like, yeah. and and that is empowering. They're like, no, you're not. No, you know, you know, you no, that you're right. Something something was going on when you were trying to access this very linear way of thinking that isn't necessarily beneficial to everybody. You were wondering why all your peers were being able to do it this way, but you were struggling to do it this way. Well, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You see it differently. So let's let's talk about that. Let's figure that out and let's find a workaround, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think, uh, yeah, I think that's those are really important. So, yeah, rapport. You know, making sure that you really check in with your, those teachers to give them an opportunity to see the student first as a student before they see them as a, a diagnosis. And then also um, to help to try and destigmatize learning, the learning difference for them and to empower them with that with that information. I totally love that approach. It's it's very similar to, to, <laughs> to the way I try to treat things, too. It's a lot of it is relationships and communication. I mean, it's a universal thing that can be applied to so many things in life and, you know, helping others to grow um, and recognizing those strengths and helping them, you know, like uh, lean on those, right? Like you don't have to know everything, but let's just figure out how you understand things um, so that we can help you, you know, move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Meet meet people where they are. There you go. (laughs) That's a great way to say it. Meet them where they are. So a lot of what you've talked about has also definitely translated into your nonprofit work, which is um, free your soul, free and free your soul and your mind. (laughs) Soul and mind, yes. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. So in 2013, I was working at a school uh, that was. um, So I was working at a school for five weeks. I realized that there were some things that were going on at the school that were incredibly compromising to my integrity. And I didn't Mm. know, I was just, I I was like, oh my gosh, this is the highest paid position I've ever had. I'm like, I'm like, finally I'm gonna catch up on some bills. Like, you know, like I I am like, all right, here we go. Cause this is still the beginning of my career. And you know, just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some savings now. You know what I mean? Like I was excited. So um, I, I, I was just like, oh, when I realized what was going on, I was trying to figure out, okay, is there a way for me to be a part of the solution? And if I can't figure out how to be a part of the solution, I'm going to be a part of the problem and I'm going to have to leave. And uh, it was one of the hardest decisions I had made. I had already made this just amazing connection with one student in particular who had really just been, had gone through it at the school. So we, we had made, we had bonded and and I, I was I was doing some good work with her and I did not want to leave. I didn't want to be a part of the inconsistency in her life. And it was hard, but I knew that there was no possible way that I could be a part of the solution. I wasn't, I didn't have enough power. You know, I knew the moment that in everybody knew that I knew what was going on, that I was going to be out there, you know, out of there. Um, Cause I watched somebody else, you know, uh, get fired and she had been there for like eight years. So I was like, okay, <laughs> let me make this move. Uh, I, I'm going to have to, I don't have a choice. And so I was kind of like what I say propelled into self-employment. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I left uh, two weeks later, I established this um, LLC at the time it was called a DC tutor LLC. So I did private instruction. I did college application process workshops. Like I really just kind of, I went in, you know, like on it. And, and, and that was kind of, I did it for a year, you know, and so 
in the time that uh, that I was doing that, I sat in on an entrepreneur class. I was sitting sitting in an entrepreneur class. Now I had gotten, I had been playing around with uh, the acronym FYSM for mm-hmm. a little bit prior, but it, I couldn't quite get the right meaning for it. So I was sitting in a class, an entrepreneur class, and I was kind of just, you know, taking some notes. And I was like, well, what do I want? You know, I was like, it's something I wanted to work with. Like I wanted to do something, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And so I'm like, okay, what do I want this thing, you know, that I've, that I've got going on to stand for? And so the idea behind it was like to create your, to re- create your own path. So I started writing down tenets, create your own path to discover what makes you happy and pursue it and to reject the status quo. And so the idea was to basically get a community of people together who love what they do and want to encourage other people to do what they love to do by doing what they love to do. And so I was like, all right. So FYSM, okay, free yourself, free your, and then free your soul and mind kind of came about in that way. So, uh, and it was, um, you know, basically, you know, I, I knew, you know, there was a lot going on at that time, right? Like I, my loans, my student loans had just come out of deferment. Like I, you know, I was trying to figure out, like I'm driving for Uber, I'm driving for Lyft, I might drive for Sidecar, I might substitute teach here and there like i'm doing a lot to try and kind of like you know sustain myself mm-hmm. um you know as you know especially going from you know where i was you know in this highest paying job that i just left after five weeks you know and so what ended up happening is i basically i was like i'm going to create this movement you know uh to encourage people and that, and that, and that was going to be that wasn't the thing i was doing in my entrepreneur class by the way it was something else but i just i was like i wanted to do this i wanted I've always uh, liked myself to be a person who loves to bring people together, who loves to connect people. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of that opportunity. Um, and then also, I think about a year prior, um, I had lost a classmate, Ricky Battle. And uh, he, uh, he was high school classmate. And he was somebody that was very much about these tenets. And I wanted to create a scholarship, a memorial scholarship in his name. So Free Your Soul and Mind, one of the first things or initiatives that Free Your, Free Your Soul and Mind had was... Uh, this scholarship, um, which we still give out every single year to a student at Duke Ellington School of the Arts in the Literary Media Department, as well as now we do uh, give one to College Bound, a student that participates in College Bound Inc., which is a uh, college preparatory program uh, nonprofit in D.C., because Ricky um, Ricky um, participated in both. He was someone who lived two lives in one. <laughs> he was someone who you know did a whole bunch of different things and lived his life and when he was tired of place he moved to another place and by, by the time he passed he was 25 when he passed he had his own pr firm uh you know he was very much somebody who wanted to make sure that the people in his community were supported you know some of the things that i remember doing is attending events that he had kind of like curated for different uh people like an album release party for one of our classmates or you know really was about supporting the arts he was also somebody who came from very humble beginnings and uh spent some time in foster care and so he did a lot of also work volunteering uh with foster youth foster youth and he was just somebody who really put himself behind his the people he cared about, um, and he he showed up in a really really profound way. And so um, you know that that scholarship is in his memory, but like so much of the spirit of uh, free your soul mind is from that. So basically, that's how it started, and then what it kind of grew to be. So recently, I incorporated while we were in. Um, uh, quarantine. Basically, it is a now incorporated or as a nonprofit, and it provides creative spaces for creative thinkers through networking, mentorship, scholarship, and artist residencies. 
it is very much still about the community of people, you know, who love what they do, encouraging other people to do what they love to do by doing what they love to do. So to give an example, the sweatshirt that you're wearing, right, was Create Unapologetically is actually a partnership between me and Native Tongue Apparel, which is run by a Kaziah Snipe, who is one of my day one supporters. She might have bought my first t-shirt. At, a, at an event that I went to, which is just funny, right? Um, full circle. And so she's one of our day ones, but she's also a literary coach. And so one of the ways to kind of give the example of like, do what you love to do by encouraging other people to do what you love to do, by doing what you love to do is she's a literary coach and we have a artist in residence program that um, is for either aspiring or self-identifying poets who have not yet published and want to work towards publishing their first series of poems or chapbook. What we do is we fund her um, their uh, work with a literary coach to inc you know to help them to move forward in that project. And so we have two artists in residence you know um, participants this year. This is our first year doing it. And so Kazaya loves literary coaching. These poets love poetry. So Kazaya is encouraging these poets to do what they love to do by knowing what she loves to do. So it becomes this circle of passion. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have a number of people within our community who do different things like that. My goal is to eventually, well, first of all, two things, two of my goals are to, one of my goals is to establish an endowment for both scholarships um, so that they will always be given in Ricky's, in Ricky's name. And then the other um, goal that I have at this point is to establish other artist residencies to make sure that there are plenty of different spaces for people to be creative. Um, and, you know, right now we're doing those virtually, but hopefully we'll also have them in person at some point as well. So yeah, it's been uh, almost seven years, <laughs> seven years, uh, but this is our first year, or this, this will be our first year coming up in uh, March or April, our first year of being incorporated. That's amazing, congratulations. Thank you. In terms of the folks who like, are in residence through the artist res residency is there an age group that you're targeting or is this kind of open How does that work um, for right now it's 18 plus uh okay. we are considering adding one for like a high school age you know uh possibly you know we'd love to talk to my you know my alma mater about potentially funding one for through the, that program as well as kind of like an additional scholarship but a different type and that's something we're definitely thinking about but right now it's 18 plus and it is of course um individuals who have not yet published a series of poems or a chapbook they are actually it's really awesome too right now i'm really proud of both of them they are um shopping their manuscripts around right now or their chapbooks around so they're trying to i guess determine if they're going to either um if if it gets accepted uh published through there or if they're going to self-publish um and yeah and then um the kind of around that too also is um they will be lending some of their pieces to our zine so we'll be creating a zine and then it, which will be like directing back to their them as artists uh but then we will that the proceeds uh once we make that zine available from the sales will profit the next artist in residence program so that it becomes also a circle of passion for the AIR or the artist in residence participants as well that's very cool if there are I guess other artists or uh, creatives like Kazaya that would want to, you know, be interested in partnering with you all, what would be, how would they go about doing that? Is there, um, you know, room for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. We would love, um, definitely, definitely. Um, 
for individuals who are interested in, you know, connecting or collaborating or partnering, you know, we've had a number of different partners. So for instance, for the, um, again, for the sweatshirt, create, create unapologetically through Native Tongue Apparel, uh, a portion of those proceeds are going directly towards like um, the Ricky Battle Scholarship, you know, so we have different partnerships in that way as well. But, but partners, we are absolutely welcoming, you know, partnerships with other artists who might be interested in either mentoring or, you know, um, providing some type of support to encourage, you know, an aspiring artist in, you know, a multitude of mediums. Um, definitely, definitely interested in that. If you are interested in that, you can get in touch with me through the website, davidcelest.com. There's a spot for connect, you know, for contacting that way. And yeah, yeah, um, I'm definitely open to that. That's awesome. I, lo I love it. I love what you're doing. It's, um, very similar to you know something I wanted to do to establish a you know a scholarship fund or ways to kind of influence and empower youth earlier on because I feel like sometimes we wait till too long like we try to get them in college but there's so many students who never make it to that point right so like if we can re reach them at the high school level or you know through through various programs you know we can never have too many of those in my mind. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think I think it's also important to mention. You know, Ricky Ricky Battle wouldn't have like fit this. You know, 4.0 GPA. So this is a student who was, you know, faced a lot of challenges and things mm -hmm. that he was navigating, and he still came out like just, you know, thriving, right? But like it was a journey, and so he wasn't your student that you know you necessarily had your eye on in the sense of like, oh, you know, dean's list and this and what have you. He was he was he was juggling some things that a lot of us you know, never have to juggle. And so, you know, I think that's important because the scholarship is about a student who, you know, shows, you know, uh, kind of, you know, that passion, the passion within those kind of tenets of creating your own path, you know, like that despite whatever is going on, you know, it's kind of like, I, 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 you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm doing this, this is happening. This is, you know, like I might, I might not look the way that people expect it to look, mm -hmm. but I'm going to get there you know what I mean, kind of thing, and, and to have that, and that the scholarship is also unrestricted funds for them. So sometimes a student needs to get home. Sometimes right. a student needs to buy books. Sometimes a student needs to get stuff for their room, and we've seen it all. Like, you know, it, it's it's been a beautiful process, like seeing like, oh, you know, I use the funds in order to do this, or sometimes I'll, I'll check in when I'll be like, hey, um, I'm really good at finding books on the low. You want me to, you know, help you get that together, you know, kind of thing. Like I'm telling you, I'm good at it. You know, <laughs> I even have to make some money for a printer. Like, Whoa! you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll do that kind of stuff. Or um, I remember um, the head of uh, College Bound, which is uh, Kenneth Ward, who is in just an incredible individual, um, and also knew Ricky well. I remember he sent me a picture of one of our, um, you know, our recipients. Uh, his college room because he, he he accompanied him to college to help him set up his college room and that's how they use that scholarship that year you know it's it's you know i think those are important too you know i don't you don't need to you know present a receipt all the time like the, the, these kids need things you know mm -hmm. and um and it isn't just the kids who you know like i was i was a you know i was a, what would be considered a, a very book smart kid you know what i mean i'm not the only type of student that needs mm -hmm. these types of scholarships and i'm also not the only type of kid that deserves being recognized by any stretch of the imagination you know there's 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 plenty to celebrate in every single student and so that's also part of one of the things with the with the scholarship and it's always so funny because because of the spirit of the scholarship 
it's always unanimous or it has always been unanimous at Duke Ellington. So it's like, it's that one, you know, like, like when I explain it, it's like that one, like there's no question, you know, and, and that's always a beautiful thing to see as well, you know, um, because there's no, no question in anybody's mind that, you know, and then, you know, with like I said, college bound, uh, Mr. Ward, he knew, he knew Ricky. So he knows that one, you know, <laughs> and yeah. just, um, it's been an incredibly rewarding experience. Uh, I, I have to wonder how it's going to grow, but I'm super excited uh, to continue to do this work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I look forward to seeing it grow and uh, hopefully being able to connect you with some other uh, creatives in our community who I think would be good candidates for, um, uh, you know, wanting to give back. We had a um, was it Tuesday night? We had a group panel for the season one guests and we talked a little bit about, you know, like wanting to be able to give back and to help, you know, other artists come up and avoid some of the, you know, the, the challenges that we had to go through, help them to, you know, make progress more quickly. And, you know, everybody can use that, that extra hand and that extra leg up for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it is a form of philanthropy know that you don't have to wait until you're you know either big time or global superstar or what have you like there's so many opportunities for us to be able to give back and that what might seem like a very small gesture to you can actually change the trajectory of somebody's life like absolutely and you know especially with the arts i want every kid every person to know how they can create in some way right like i know that every person has some form of art in them and a lot of mm -hmm. things that we don't consider art you know what I mean like but they're that they are you know and I think that's that's part of it too is like where's your outlet you know what I mean and and know yeah. that when you figure out how you can create like whatever you do it'll enhance it and everything that you learn from there will enhance it you know and if we can encourage kids even before they get to college you know to mm -hmm. really like to, you know instead of taking the stem I'm all about steam first of all yeah, uh, you know, I'm all about it. And it's like when you start taking that arts out, you really are taking a lot of the innovation out of what we do. And and so encouraging students to figure out how they create, you know, they can, and 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 helping them to understand that all of the things that they learn can enhance that the way in which they create so valuable. You know, and I think that's part of the work that I want to do with Free Your Soul in Mind is to make more spaces for people to figure out their creativity or 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 or, or have spaces to be creative. I want to get some, you know, some space on the big island, you know what I mean, <laughs> where someone can come and they can do an artist residency and then they can spend some time in a local elementary school t doing a workshop. You know what I mean? In, you know, or, you know, or maybe, maybe it's a dance workshop, right? Like maybe mm -hmm. it's a, a visual arts workshop. Maybe they're going to, you know, do a mural, you know what I mean? For this school that's being renovated or something like to find basically uh, coming into a space, giving and pay, you know, and honoring that space, uh, creating in that space and then giving back to that space, giving thanks to that space for being a space where we can, where we can create. And like, that you know, I said eventually. I want. I really do want to have in-person uh, ones as well. I want to have virtual and in-person. Uh, you know, because I feel like you know, I, I want. I I don't want people to be hindered, but I also want to be able to have like grants that bring people out. Like, all right, come on, you're gonna create out here for three weeks. 
Right. In this space, in the space you've never been to before, you know, you're going to learn about this or you're gonna, we're going to connect you with the community, the artists that are doing a lot of the same things, but from a completely different culture, et cetera. Like that's the kind of work that I want to work towards doing in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I will say being at home in Hawaii is like one of the, one of the best places to create. I just, for some reason, it's just something about being there. Like it just frees up a lot of creative juices. So I definitely want to see that happen for you. That would be amazing. You know what? I don't know if I don't, if I know this, but what island are you on? So I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm in DC in your, in your hometown, but oh, I'm, okay. When you said home in Hawaii, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but my family is on Kauai, so yeah. Kauai, okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. I have a, a um, I have a friend whose family is on Kauai as well. Okay, I for a moment I was like, wait a minute, did you come back? And yeah, I was, no, I, I wish. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm struggling right now, you know, with COVID and you know not being able to see my mom. But you know, I'm doing my part, which is more than I can say for some other people. But we're not gonna go there. Yeah, uh, I understand, <laughs> and yes, believe me, it's the same. Like it's it. We are living switched lives in this situation because yes. it's the same situation. Like trying to get to my mom and my dad. You know, I I just this is at this time. So this would be about the time. I would have already gone and seen my parents for a week and a half and I would have headed to Atlanta to see my my godson and my, mm -hmm. my best friends. This is the first year I haven't done that. I don't think I've ever been like away for like Christmas. Like I've never been away from my parents for Christmas. So like this is the first time. Yeah. Um, and you know, a new year, this is my first in seven years because I, I've been there for every birthday from my godson, including birth. And I, um, you know, it, it's it's a it's a challenge. It's um, it's tough uh, being being away. Um, have you? And I know you're asking me the questions, but have you found different ways to stay? Um, how have you found different ways to kind of stay in touch or to stay connected? Um, so we do a lot of video, you know, video like on Zoom or on FaceTime. Yeah. Um, kind of keeping keeping track of the kids because they're growing so quickly, and you know, checking in with my mom because you know my dad's not there anymore. So. Um, you know, making sure she's okay. She's not, you know, doing too much. And cause you know how they get when they get older, <laughs> like, yes, yes, yes. Just, just chill and relax. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, she's I, a social butterfly too. So, you know, I'm like, mom, it's okay. Like you don't have to, you know, be out there and doing all these things if you don't want to, like, nobody's going to be upset. Like we no. all understand. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I totally, totally get it. Totally, yeah. We do a lot of zooms as well. And it's, it's wild. Cause uh, talking about just kind of being out there and doing a whole bunch of different things. My mom is so involved in the community and so involved. Both of my parents are like my mom. I mentioned in particular because she broke her foot a couple, <laughs> a couple months Ooh. ago. And, uh, you you know, just not being able to kind of be there and in support what's, you know, it has been has been tough. But, it, you know, it's also, um, you know, just it's yeah, it's it's um what's wild about it or about her breaking it is a couple was it, a few months before, like a month or a few weeks before she broke it. We were um, celebrating her 70th birthday. We, we did like this birthday was I did her 70th birthday. I DJed her, her 70th birthday. So she danced for a good two hours straight. Got <laughs> this, this beautiful clip of her that I like, I play over and over again of her doing hammer time. across. <laughs> and then like a few weeks later, she broke her foot. I was like, Oh, like, I'm so glad we did this, but Oh man. Like, you know, it was just, 
how different things, you know, how how quickly things can can be different, you know. Yeah. Um, she's got a boot now, so we're happy. No more cast, and she has got a great sense of humor. So uh, I call her Bootsy Collins, and she. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but she's, um, you know, I, yeah, both, both my parents just are super, 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 super active. And, but I'm really glad that they found ways to kind of be active, but not be out. Yeah. Um, you know, cause that's, that's important. They've done a really good job of doing that. So. That's amazing. Thank you. To, shout out to your parents for being um, the teacher warriors that I'm sure have impacted the lives of many, many students. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're both awesome. They're both awesome folks. I'm very proud of them. You know. Yeah, and shout outs to you too for your work, um, not only as a teacher, but in you know with FYSM. Uh, we wish you all the success in the world, and you know, um, look forward to identifying um, you know some areas where we can collaborate and partner. Um, yeah. You know, bringing the community together. So thank you so much for you know coming on to the podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. We really, really appreciate it. So for folks who would like to follow you or learn more about Free Your Soul and Mind, where should they find you? So um, if you'd like to follow um, Free Your Soul and Mind either on uh, Facebook or on Instagram, uh, we are at, it's, it's activism, so A-C-T-I-F-Y-S-M. Um, and that's our, that's the name. You put either one of those in Facebook or um, IG, you'll come up with those pages. Um, and then also activism.com. So A-C-T-I-F-Y-S-M.com or F-Y-S-M.org. So either <laughs> Got it. Posting <laughs> um, it in the chat right now. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, those are where you can uh, take a look at what we're doing and um should be some more social media posts to come <laughs> all righty guys well thank you all for listening to the podcast this week uh give us a like and a share subscribe hope you guys are enjoying all of the content um and with that said we will sign off for today take care everybody and we will talk to you on the next episode bye-bye right, thank you for having me you're welcome yeah.